Welcome in. This is your live chat for this week's Farmers Insurance Open. I was a little bit confused there at the start. I was focused on other things and I actually missed it uh, where, where, where we started, but that's okay. We're, we're off and running right now. It's weird. It's Tuesday. My body don't know what to do with it. What's happening? Did I sleep? No. Golf tomorrow. Weird. Make sure your lineups are in. Obviously, if you're here, you already know that, but this time is yours. So go ahead, start dropping your questions, your comments, your concerns, your, hey, can we deep dive this guy? Hey, can you give me a reason to play so-and-so? Yeah, this time's yours. Fire away. We are presented by our friends over at Jock Market. Going to talk a lot about them today. Uh, I'm just loving what they're doing, getting a lot more questions. I imagine it's going to come up quite a bit. And there is a Jock Market Power Hour tonight, Tuesday night, 8.15 p.m., Eastern time, Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Let's jump into the questions. And I imagine we are going to start with some really good. Oh boy. Hey, Rick, could you do a deep dive on JJ Spawn? Dustin, we are off and running with a JJ Spawn conversation. All right. Well, I did I did say times yours. I feel like all he does is make cuts and a lot of guys around him feel like they have more upside, but is he a safer play in the $6,000 range? I will show you my website. It is called rickrungood.com. Everything that you see uh, will be from there. I think you'll enjoy it. JJ, oh boy. What do we got going on with JJ here? So, played well in Boise, Corn Ferry, end of last year. Popped in Bermuda. Couple of decent finishes. I worry that so I think you're going to need to have a pretty decent short game this week, but I'd prefer that you don't be relying on it, which is a bit what I'm seeing from JJ Spawn at the moment. I do wonder what his upside is in this particular. I mean, RSM Classic is probably one of the better spots for him because he's not a very long hitter. Uh, the American Express, that's incredibly wonky and random. Like, I, I'm not surprised to see some success there. Uh, how much is he? How much is old JJ? He's got to be in the sixes, right? 69, you could get access to Svensson. You could get access to Grayson Sig. You could get access to even Pendrith or, or, or Bromlett. I, or even Sabatini. No, I'm just, I'm happy to avoid JJ Spawn and never look back. Garrett says, rank Lonto, Aaron Wise, Mackenzie Hughes, and Max Homa, or should I just play all of them? Thanks for, No. They're all for they all for safe to you this week. Wow, that was hard to read, Garrett. Um, Hughes is kind of interesting because he played really well at the U.S. Open, but I wouldn't say that this is particularly a super great spot for him or that I would expect great things from him. Homa, I would probably rank them like this. Lanto, Homa, no. Probably Homa, Lanto, Wise, Hughes is the way that I would probably rank those guys. Hey, Rick, on the first cut DFS pod, it was stressed that around the green was a key stat. That contradicts what the course key stats emphasize. Is this an eye test versus the numbers balancing act? Maybe a little bit of both. So uh, here's the course key stats that Matthew is referring to. The really standalone stat uh, for Torrey Pines is driving distance. And this is, again, this is a regression model. This is not really my opinion. This is taking every single player who's played every single course and uh, running the data for the last 12 years against every PGA Tour stat. And basically what it says is guys who drive it far, guys who rank highly 
in driving distance correlate more to success at Torrey Pines than any other stat. That's what it says. There's really no opinion in this whatsoever. Um, the around the green number is 33rd out of 43. So it's a below average stat, which means it doesn't really correlate as strongly as a lot of other courses. I think the issue that you get into, Matthew, with using around the green as a key stat is that around the green is kind of inherently flawed. While it is still a strokes gained metric and why it is st- while it is still better than things like scrambling, it is inherently flawed. The reasons are uh, twofold, basically. One, it is a aggregating counting statistic. And that's important because not everyone is going to get the same number of opportunities around the green. You know, if you are uh, worrying about off the tee, you know, you're going to get the same number of off the tee opportunities from Bryson DeChambeau as Denny McCarthy. Uh, you are not going to get the same number of opportunities around the green from Bryson DeChambeau and Danny McCarthy because one of those guys is going to hit more greens than the other. And because it is a counting stat, you run into some issues there. So what I would really like to see is around the green end up being like we usually do per round. I want to do around the green per shot. That would be more indicative of who the actual better around the green players are, not just the guys that are missing a lot of greens and giving themselves a lot of opportunities to gain strokes around the green. So long story short, it is hard to use around the green as a key stat. I'm trying to say that around the green is kind of one of the ways that you can find yourself in contention. It's the Patrick Reed method from last year where he was just getting up and down constantly. I think he might've chipped in a time or two. Like that's, that's not going to be an unusual way to win this event because of how difficult uh, Tory Pines is. Hey, Rick. Hey, Sheardog. On a Twitter space, as you mentioned that you might fade Finau due to his form, his strokes game, ball striking seems okay and similar uh, to what it's been coming into previous form. Yeah, so I, I chickened out on this. I did not fade Tony Finau. In fact, I quite honestly did the opposite, and I uh, bet him. And there was a couple of reasons for that. One, his history around Torrey Pines is fantastic. He's just piled up top 15s. But the other thing that I couldn't pass up is something that I sent out in the Run Good Rundown this week. Uh, The Run Good Rundown is basically an email newsletter for all the silly, weird stats, trends, nuggets that I find over the course of the week. And then I interweave it with Seinfeld or the office office references. And then I put it in your inbox. That's basically what it is. If you want to sign up for it, the link is in the description. Um, This is a nugget from the Run Good Rundown this week, and it's entitled Hunky Tony Loves Poa. And it points out that Tony Finau... In terms of strokes game putting, his best, not best surface, the course that he has been best on in his career, Torrey Pines. He's gaining 0.58 strokes per round in 28 rounds. It's a lot of rounds. It's a lot of strokes gained. Twin Cities is up there. Silverado is up there. Quell Hollow is up there. But this is the spot. So I chickened out Sheardog, and I said, you know what? This is a place where Tony can create a gap with his driver, and it's a place he's putted well. It's good enough for me. And it doesn't end on a Sunday, right? If Tony fades on Sundays, no problem this time around. It's a Saturday finish. Let's go. Hey, Rick, thanks for the content. You're welcome, Brady. Thank you. Is in a single entry, which of these three do you like the most? Oh, boy. Palmer, Lonto, Luke List. So this is really hard for me to answer without knowing kind of what the rest of the lineup looks like or what your risk tolerance is. I think that uh, Lonto probably has the most legitimate top five upside. Um, 
I can pull him up real quick. But Lonto has a couple of skill sets that are super, super handy around Torrey Pines. He is a great ball striker. Uh, when he's when he's playing well, he's a great ball striker, and he is a great putter. Now, that is um, good anywhere, and it's a high-ceiling type of statistical profile. He's also been awesome on Poe. It's by far his best putting surface. He played well last week. He's played well uh, more frequently. This is the Lonto that I like to see, and he has a couple of top 12 finishes here. So I think he has legitimate high-end um, top 10 upside. I think Luke List does as well, but not as often. And I also think that Luke List wins this event less than Lonto because on Sunday, oh, Saturday, you're going to have to putt. You're going to have to putt. And I trust Lonto to make putts on Saturday more than I trust Luke List to do so. Ryan Palmer's fine. I think he's just more of like your consistent safe option. So I would kind of rank them in that order. Cam Davis or Francesco Molinari? Molinari played great last week. Had a T13 at the U.S. Open here and a top 10 at Farmers last year, but Cam Davis seems to be a better course fit. Yeah, I worry about Davis. I worry about both of these guys, quite honestly, Trey. Um, the Molinari thing, I'm not necessarily on the bandwagon. I know he's played well at Torrey Pines before. I know he played well last week, but th those could very easily be noisy outlier weeks. I'm not super – I'm taking a more wait-and-see approach on Francesco Molinari. Cam Davis, on the other hand, while he has the distance, I worry about the big number with him. He is – incredibly capable of making a big number and Tory Pines has them lurking everywhere. So yes, he's got the distance off the tee, the raw scoring ability, but boy, I'd almost prefer it be a birdie fest. If you made me pick, it'd be Cam Davis. Taking ownership out of it as I sip my coffee. Who would you rather play in GPPs between Sungjae, Finau, Leishman, and why? It's probably Finau. Um, Leishman doesn't hit enough fairways for me. And Sungjae, I think, is... I, I just think this is probably no better spot to run out Finau than, than right now. There's going to be maybe a couple others throughout the year. Th this is this is seemingly the spot. Hey, Rick. DJ fits my betting rule this week. Bet a stud when they hit 20 to 1 or over. Other than the long break, do you see any red flags on him? No. And you could argue that Dustin Johnson um, doesn't need to take time off. We, like, we don't know what he's been doing, but... You could argue he doesn't need to take any time off. Um, here's the power rankings. I updated this a little bit. I added the salaries at your request. I also added in both the PGA Tour and the European Tour field. And I designated them with nice little colored circles here so that you could see which golfers are in which field. And the reason I want to do this is for a couple of reasons. Um, I want to look at the last 50 for players in this field. And I want to do, okay, this is just the last 50 rounds for everyone in this field. Dustin Johnson is seventh. Hard stop. Do I even need to go any further? Because most people would probably have said, oh, DJ's probably 12, 13, 14, 15. He's having a horrible year. Whatever you want to say about him, it's not really true. Um, the other thing I want to point out is when you sort by strokes game putting, you'll see Adam Hadwin's at the top. You'll see Adam Shank. You'll see John Romp, which is First of all, incredible that he's so good at putting and he's so good at every other facet. Dustin Johnson is fourth. DJ is now a great putter. The reason this matters is because if DJ gets back to even being half or three quarters of the ball striker that he's been for the last decade, it's over. Like that's the math problem. So I agree with you, Scott. Um, I'm I think DJ is one of the more interesting storylines of the week, year, and I'm interested.
bro, that's who this comment is from, says, Rick, you nailed the outright for Dubai last week. So thank you for that, Thomas Peters. Hovland is there. Who are we? T- oh, oh, it says besides Hovland. Yeah, okay. So we're taking Victor, obviously, in Dubai. Um, actually, we can use the power rankings for this. I have not made a bet yet because it's been just a crazy two days of trying to get um, you know, all the farmer stuff done. So let's do let's do Desert Classic. And what I think you need to do, okay. So because I have all the European tour stuff loaded in, uh, you can do this. I think it's important. If you're going to use the power rankings to use the weighted power rankings, especially in a week like this, because you're getting a ton of guys who are um, going over there as PGA Tour players, and then you have guys who are living on the Euro Tour, and there's a wide gap between them. So in the last 50 rounds, and this does include everything worldwide, Paul Casey is actually the number one player in this field, gaining about a stroke and a half per round. This is weighted. Uh, Roy McIlroy, two, Sergio, three, Victor is four. Those should be no surprises. Maybe some of the, and I'm just kind of looking at the salaries compared to their uh, their betting odds. I mean, Ian Poulter, I don't know what Ian Poulter's betting odds are, but he's you know 88 to one on DraftKings. He's the fifth best player in this field in the last 50 rounds. Um, you know, Dean Burmeister is up here. Burns Vesperger. I don't have the odds in front of me, but I would use this to, to try to see if you can find yourself a little bit of value. Pick one guy below 6,500 to roster if you had to. Oh, boy. Okay. I think it gets pretty darn scary down here. How about uh, – I thought I had somebody at 64. Who was that that I was looking at this week? Was it Duffner? Where's Duffner? Yeah, I think it was Duffner. Yeah. So let's look at let's look at Duffner real quick here. So 6400 Jason Duffner. I think he's been putting much better. Yeah, he has. Here we go. So basically five events in a row he's been a positive putter in aggregate. The ball striking's always there. T40 last week, but he didn't even really drive the ball well, which is kind of an outlier for him. What's his farmer's history? Five made cuts and six trips, but not much ceiling. I think it's Duffner. I think it's a really bad range, quite quite honestly. And uh, if you made me choose, I'd probably go with the old, uh, old Duff Daddy there and see what happens. Um, worth noting, this is indeed brought to you by Jock Market. If you have not played Jock Market, it's stock market DFS. It's wild stuff. It's awesome. You can bid on shares of golfers right now, Tuesday night in the IPO. It's usually Wednesday, but since we're starting Tomorrow, we've moved everything up a day. So you can bid on shares of golfers right now. If you're one of the high bidders, when the IPO closes tonight, you will uh, be allocated those shares. And then those shares have guaranteed payout. So if you look at the data from last week, which is available on my site, rickrungood.com for free, by the way, you can see that Hudson Swafford sold for $3.33 a share. He he paid out the full $25 a share. So you made... $21 a share for every share that you had on Hudson Swafford. Cue the comment or the tweet that says, but Rick, he was 200 to one. You got way worse odds in the jock market. True. But if you would have finished second, you still would have made 20 bucks a share. Or if you would have finished, I don't know, 12th, 
or 33rd, you still would have made money. So it is uh, a payouts every single step of the way. It's just kind of a different format. Now you can short golfers. So like, for example, when we went, we, when we entered the final round last week and Lee Hodges and Paul Barjan are up there, you could have opted to short those golfers, assuming that they were going to be dropping. It's just a really, really fun concept that's being executed beautifully. And quite frankly, your returns in the jock market are probably better than your returns in the stock market right now. So if you're anything like me, but that's uh, a different conversation for a different day. Use the code Rick at sign up. That's up to a $50 deposit bonus. It's the best of bonus uh, available to you. And then join Joe Idoni and myself on the power hour tonight, 8.15 PM Eastern time. Let's get after it. Let's go. Rick says Lee, Leo starting my year long one and done office pool. Good rec for a standby to use. If you miss a pick a good middling guy. Oh boy. Um, okay. Well, Let's just get freaky numbers on it, right? Let's just do like who would be so so here's the way that I'm gonna think about this. And I'll give you a look inside my brain, which is probably a pretty scary place to be, Leo. So I think there's probably what 35 events left, Leo. Let's go to the last 100 rounds. That's a pretty good time frame. And let's go to uh raw. This is uh actually we should probably do weighted strokes gained. Weighted strokes gained last 100. Let's just go see who player like 36 is because really you should use every player from 35 and up. Let's just go see who player number 36 is. Any guesses in the chat? Uh, Patrick Reed, our defending champion, Patrick Reed. Um, yeah, that wouldn't be so bad, especially like when he starts to get hot, when he starts to turn it around. Other guys in that range would be Joaquin Neiman, Charlie Hoffman, Seamus Power, Alex Noren, Lanto Griffin. Those are basically the, uh, if this was bracketology, they'd be like the first men out right? The first guys that you're probably not going to use. But if you want to have somebody on standby, that would probably be a pretty good place to go. Rick, do you like Zalatoris over Patrick Reed this week? Yeah. I like basically everything over Patrick Reed this week. And I'm happy to be wrong and happy to be burned by this. But let's be very, very clear about what Patrick Reed has been up to. The answer is generally nothing. Uh, yes, he has popped once or twice. Hero World Challenge, Bermuda. Uh, but look at this ball striking. It is horrendous. He is hemorrhaging strokes off the tee. He's hemorrhaging strokes on approach. He there, there are not many short games in the world magical enough to overcome what he's been doing. And, and this is rare, right? Like, look at this stretch of golf off the tee and approach, tee to green, however you want to look at it. Go back six months, much better. Much more well-rounded golfer. Look at his entire career. He is just a much better player uh, like I, I think I'm ready to make the argument. He is in the he is in the midst of the worst stretch of his career since this stretch at the end of 2013, where he lost T to Green one, two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row and was horrible. It actually came right after a victory. So um, yeah, I, I'm really worried about Reed. If he burns me here as the defending champion, he can have it. I don't care. I'm not going to be a part of it. Ryan says last week you told me. Last week, you told my best friend to drop his troll friends. He hasn't talked to me since. Bum bum. Nice one, Ryan. I know he loves Daniel. Should I have Berger in all my lineups this week and hope he takes me back? <sighs> Berger, for me, is the most difficult guy this week. I am, um, quite honestly, a bull on Daniel Berger long-term. If you are a subscriber to this YouTube channel, if you're not, you should be. What are you doing? Uh, if you are 
a subscriber to my email newsletter, you'll see that basically every single week I lay out a scenario in which Patrick or uh, Jesus uh, Daniel Berger is a top six player in the world. However, I have real concerns this week, and I could be wrong. A lot of smarter people are are feeling Berger as well, but to me, here's here's my case. Berger hits a cut. Berger hits a fade. It's his natural shot. He, through my eye test, has trouble hitting a high draw. A high draw is what Torrey Pines asks you to hit a lot. Now, you look at his history, and it's a bit all over the place. Well, it's not all over the place. It's one good result at last year's U.S. Open, and then it's basically missing the cut every time at the Farmers Insurance Open that he's played it before. So um, I am going to be cautiously pessimistic on Daniel Berger this week. I hope that I'm wrong because I think it would actually make my com- it would actually make my longer term argument on Daniel Berger better if he wins at a place he shouldn't win or something like that. So I hope I'm wrong, but for me, it's uh, no Berger this time around. Any penny stock advice for Tory Pines? Yes, we can do a little bit of uh, you know jock market action here, but generally that penny stock uh, it, it relates to some of these guys down here at the bottom. You know the Jason Duffners that we've talked about. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if Dylan Wu can bounce back. You know, he hit just a couple of bad shots that turned into big numbers last week. He kind of gave us a sweat at the cut and it didn't end up working out. I'm, I'm interested in that, um, outside of those guys. I mean, Kevin Chapel has shown a little bit of life recently, right? He's made a couple of, of cuts in a row and he was a first round leader. Was that an American express or at like Sony? Uh, th- those would be guys that I'd be generally targeting. Briady says, who have you grown most on over the course of the week and who have you uh, thought on fading? Good question. I think I've grown most on, let me pull up the cheat sheet here. Um, I've probably grown on Tony Finau and I've probably faded on maybe Jordan Spieth. I've also probably grown on Matthew Wolf, but I might be in a small, like, I think if you bet Matthew Wolf last week, you have to bet him again this week. Um, I just think you have to. It's, this is probably one of the top five. When, when Wolf is at his best, this is a top five setup for him. So I don't know what version of Wolf we're going to get, but if we get the good one, it's a top five setup. So I think, I think if you are uh, in the same boat that I am, that you got burned by Wolf, you got to give him one more crack. You got to go back one more time. You have to. Ryan says, my buddy Mike is new to fantasy golf world this year. Hey, Mike, he played Phil last weekend. Yikes. Will you tell him why he will go broke if he continues to play Phil going forward? Phil's not that great at golf anymore, at least on the PGA Tour. Phil's great. Phil's going to be great at the match. Phil's going to be great on the Champions Tour. Phil's victory at the PGA Championship is continuing to look more and more and more like an outlier. And I actually, some people were giving me credit for that, um, that Phil Mickelson call at the PGA championship. I certainly did not think he was going to win the PGA championship, but what we saw from Phil was a increased 
uh, sustained approach play and a basically neutral driver in the five or six weeks leading up to the PGA Championship. So we knew he was in the midst of a pretty good run, and we knew that because we had looked back at his results for the last couple of years, and it was bad. He was just never ball striking it well enough. The driver was a big problem. But the problem for Phil is that after the PGA Championship, which was massive increase everywhere, even bigger than anybody could have expected. Um, it's it's just not been good. And he's back to the earlier version where he's losing multiple strokes on approach. Now he's losing strokes off the tee again. It's just, there's not much here, Ryan. I'm worried. Jay says, Rick, you're the freaking man. Hey, thanks, Jay. Stars and scrubs this week. Also, what do you think of Max Homa? Seems to play well on the West Coast. Yeah, Max Homa. Uh, seems to play better on more difficult golf courses. He's a California guy. He knows California Poa. No problem. The other thing, uh, Stars and Scrubs, I don't think so. It's a really um, – so two things. The 6K range is kind of garbage, which makes Stars and Scrubs disgusting. The other thing is because there's so much in the 9K range and the 8K range, I don't think you have to go stars and scrubs. You know, you could go one star, uh, probably an eight. You know, you could work your way down pretty pretty nicely. Um, I, I like to do stars and scrubs on really, really top-heavy weeks and weeks where there's some value in that 6K range. I don't think this is one of those weeks. Oliver says, happy first Tuesday live chat, Rick. Yeah, thank you. Burns fell apart on Sunday last year, but that was Boar's breakthrough win. How do you like him for this week? Thanks and good luck. Yeah, absolutely right. Sam Burns, and again, if you've been following along, and I know Oliver has, so I know he knows my overall sentiments when it comes to Sam Burns, incredibly bullish. Sam Burns is solving modern golf. I'm not even exaggerating, right? It's the long and straight off the tee. It's the awesome iron play. It's the great putting. It's getting more comfortable in contention. It's everything. He's doing it. Um, you're right. He was in the final group with Patrick Reed last year before he had like the fifth worst putting round of his career and ejected himself to a T18. I think uh, Sam Burns is one of the better natural fits for Torrey Pines that we have out here. Let's go. John says, is it just me or are Pro-Ams the worst? I propose they're held as only alternate field during the majors. Eh, you got to pay the bills. I haven't heard anyone mention Neesmith this week. You always say he's longer than people think, but we haven't seen him in a while. Can you talk about his course fit? Um, sure. So the thing with Neiman, there's a couple of things with Neiman, as there generally is always a couple of things with everybody, right? That's kind of the point of these conversations. So um, Neiman, when he's at his best, drives it longer than you think, as you noted, Trent, thank you very much, and more accurately, which is great. Although it hasn't been that good as of late, right? I want to see this. Gain five, gain two, gain three, gain three, gain three, gain two. Now it's like hovering closer to zero, which is concerning. The even bigger concern is the putter. Um, I don't know what happened to it. He went from being a very, very good putter to hemorrhaging strokes, and it's not uncommon. So look at this. I mean, he's had other stretches in his career where he has lost a lot of strokes putting over five or six consecutive weeks or something or starts, something like that. I'm worried about that. I'm also worried about the fact that Poa is by far his worst surface. So I would prefer to take a wait and see approach on Joaquin Neiman and hopefully he surprises us, but I would be surprised, I guess is the way to put it. Who are your favorite 7K guys? Um, 
So I think the short list is probably Lonto. I think it's probably Luke List. I think it's Mito Pereira. I think it's Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell, I'll tell you what. I think Keith Mitchell's going to win soon. You know, he's he's really leaning into his strengths, and I think that's a good sign. So I'd probably start with those four and go from there. Brandon says, think you mentioned Mito in your video as someone to possibly avoid due to lack of playing. I can't imagine I said that. If I said that, I would be surprised. I generally don't care if golfers have played competitively or not because they're obviously playing. DJ might be the exception to that because I would not be surprised if he spent the last three months on a boat and hasn't touched his golf clubs, but I also don't think DJ needs to touch his golf club. So um, I would be very surprised, Brandon, if I said I was worried about somebody due to a lack of time between competitive golf. Um, I actually think Mito is quite interesting for kind of like a contrarian. No one's going to be playing him. He's still a great ball striker, like all that good stuff. Um, Charlie Hoffman just withdrew, so you're not going to want to play him. Good work on a busy day, says Dave. Thank you. I'm I'm scared of Big Tony's form. What's the best way to look at his form coming in uh, into past good performances? So uh, you could go to his golfer profile and you could look at his form. I also think it matters on the course, right? So we can pull up Tony Finau here, Dave. And um, let me share my screen here. So, okay, so here's the win at the Northern Trust. The, the the week before, or excuse me, the four weeks before his win at the Northern Trust, he lost strokes on approach in four. He lost strokes off the tee in two. I don't think anyone would have described him as in good form before that victory. Uh, where else are some of his good finishes? Here's a run from uh, basically last year at this same time where, yeah, he was in he was in pretty decent form, but it was kind of the start of a new year. There's a big gap here. Uh, let's see. Here's a T3 at the at the 3M Open and an eighth place finish at the Memorial. Again, a couple of starts before that, I don't think we would have said he was in all that good of form. What I think the difference for Tony Finau is um, there are a lot better courses for him than not. So, for example, courses that he can separate himself off the tee, whether it's being longer matters or whether it's being more accurate matters. Um, also, like more difficult golf courses, the Memorial was on that list. Um that's that is that is what you want from Tony. So I don't think we can say just because he doesn't have good form right now is not a reason to play him. I'm going to take this super chat here from Phil, which is um, not necessary but appreciated. I'm getting 4,500 to uh, 45 to one on Jordan Spieth outright. Don't you have to take him at that high of a number? Yes. And I did too. Yeah. So I, um, I kind of fell into a little bit of a trap here. So I, I went with pure win equity in the 30 to 60 range. So my card is basically small and, um, it looks like this Finau, who I got at, I think 30 or 35 Kepka, who I got at like 40 to one Spieth at like, I think I got 40, 45. I might got 50 circuit numbers are insane. I went to Wolf again because I'm committed to that. And then I probably should have stopped there. I probably should have stopped at those four. I added Aaron Wise um, because I want to invest in Aaron Wise for 25 events. I don't know if this is a great spot for him. But yeah, I think that uh, if you're playing the pure win equity game at that number, you got to take it. Um, I have a lot of concerns about Jordan Spieth that we don't have time for. But yeah, I took it with you. Hey, Rick. Hey, Terry. 
hit both Swafford and Peters outright, took first in last week's jock market PGA. So huge thanks to you and your insights. Yeah, you know, I am um, still a little on, on cloud nine from last week. I woke up, cashed the Peters 40 to one. And then um, I only had, I swear, I think I only had two bullets. I think I made eight bets last week on the PGA Tour because most of them were over 100 to one. And I only had two guys who made the cut, Tom Hoagie and Hudson Swafford. And I, I got bailed out. So I can't remember a time recently where I've nailed um, the Euro and the PGA on the same day. It was a great day. I'm glad that you were also able to get a piece of it as well and the jock market success. So um, we've been on a really good run. I know I don't like give out my, like I don't post pics or anything, but you guys know who I'm betting. We've been on a really good run dating back to the fall. And I'm just, um, I know it's going to come cr to a crashing halt here shortly, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. So I'm glad that you're sharing in it as well. Palmer, Bradley, Griffin, one and done. Who would you go with? I don't think you need to pick any of them in a one and done. If you needed to, I think that the answer is probably Lonto. Hey, Rick. Oh boy, here we go. Question for your executive producer. That's my wife. Her name is Armina. Last week, she had a strong feeling on Johnny Vegas. Do they have any strong feelings this week? This is pretty interesting, Jim, because Johnny Vegas played horrible last week, and now you want to go back to the person who gave you the strong um, the strong feelings on Johnny Vegas. Well, I mean, she wasn't wrong in her analysis. Uh, she's sending me a message right now. She says, I got burned in all capitals, so I'm going with Burns. She's not going to get an argument from me. Do you have any tips on simplifying my weekly process? Oh, boy. I find myself spending too much time overanalyzing things Monday to Wednesday every week. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I should be careful. I don't want to tell you to like stop listening to me or everybody else. But like if you're going to watch shows like this, find the show that's best for you. Right? Like sometimes it's the data. Sometimes it's the gut feel. Listening to multiple things seems like a fool's errand. Find something. Uh, but I think what I would give you as a, a better part of advice, run the basis, is um, it shouldn't be a Monday to Wednesday process. If you can get comfortable enough with the PGA Tour and the world of golf in general, you have, you have a much better starting point for a Monday. So I'll give you an example. Like I'm constantly looking at the power rankings, right? These are power rankings back however many rounds you want. 50 rounds, 100 rounds. I do the weighted stuff. You know, I knew three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that Dustin Johnson in weighted strokes gain total for the last 100 rounds is better than Patrick Cantlay. Now, that's a little bit longer of a time period than you might want to go for. And it's the weighted numbers. But, like, I knew that. Um, we knew Cam Smith was outperforming kind of his peers in the weighted numbers. That's why we were all over him at the, so or at the uh, Tournament of Champions. So it's... It's knowing kind of the ebbs and flows will help you when you get into the week. Excuse me. All right. Can you talk about uh, post-IPO on Jock Market and how it works, specifically trades? Yeah, so um, after the IPO, Jock Market turns into basically the stock market. So you'll, you'll see every single athlete on there. Um, and the ask price and the bid price. So you can see kind of who's offering up golfers for sale, or you could put a bid in for a golfer and see if the seller wants to sell you those shares. Now you can actually short golfers. So you can go in and say, you know what, I'm, I want to I short this guy. So it really just turns into 
basically the stock market, Stewie, and um, with with guaranteed payouts, unlike the stock market. Can you tell I'm bitter? Um, the, the you know the guaranteed payouts makes it so that there is strategy there for how much you're willing to bid or uh, or sell a golfer. Rick, can I fade Rom and win on a hunch that he will not mentally be there? You can do anything you want. You will likely, like fading the most expensive golfer is generally a good strategy, right? Um, because he's so highly priced, he basically has to be a top five scorer and none of the other guys in the 10K range can outscore him for that to be like an objectively good play. So I don't think it's like, Super risky to fade a guy like that, but know that multiple times a year, Jeffrey, doing that will destroy, Ron will destroy you and he will wipe you and uh, everyone who played him will, uh, will, will benefit from that. So you can do whatever you want. Um, you'll probably get away with it. I think that I would much rather fade him in the betting market to actually win the tournament the value of him in fantasy on DraftKings, uh, where he is only $300 more than JT, where he is only $600 more than Hideki, despite being significantly shorter in odds uh, for both of, uh, than both of those guys, it is, it's almost bonkers to fade him in, um, in DFS. Thanks for the Paul Barjan recommendation last week. Any interest in him again? Probably not. We are going to, th this is like the ultimate trap, which is like the guy who got close for the first time in his career last week and faded. Um, let's, we'll, we'll be back on Paul Barjan quickly. Cause again, I'm a, obviously a believer in him. I had people who were like, I didn't even know this guy, who this guy was. Why is this guy leading the golf tournament? So um, let's, let's, let's wait and see. Oh, I got, I kind of got bumped around on some questions here. Rick, third week of the one and done in first place. So do I mash the gas with Rom or pivot to something crazy like Harry Higgs? I do not think you should go for Harry Higgs if you're going to do something crazy. Although I've, um, I've actually grown on the idea of playing John Rom, And I will tell you in some one and dones, I've played John Rom this week because it's a rare, 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 rare opportunity to get a early season very short favorite at a course he's dominated where everyone will save him. And the purse this year got an increase up to 1.5 million. It is entering basically invitational territory. So, um, ROM it up, ROM it up. Let's go. Are you surprised at the initial ownership numbers on guys like Maverick McNeely and Cam Davis? Well, let's see what they are. So this will be on the cheat sheet on rickrungood.com. So where is uh, McNeely is down here, 17%. And Cam Davis is 17% as well. Um, no, I'm not surprised, especially with the Cam Davis number. There is not a lot of great options around Cam Davis. And if that's kind of the natural build spot, I, I get it. So I'm not surprised. I don't, I, I don't think I want to partake in a 17% Cam Davis. So I'm not surprised by that. The Matt McNeely one, I think I am surprised because you've got 
Homa nearby. You've got Palmer nearby. Hell, you have Justin Rose nearby. Can I give you guys a little bit of, of a nugget on Jay Rose? And if you've been following for a while, you know I'm not, not particularly a Justin Rose guy, but I got to give credit where it is due. He is playing much, much better, much more sustainably. And if you really want uh, to put this over over the top here, oh, whoops, let me go by round. If you want to put this over the top and you think that he's onto something, uh, just look back to round four last week. That ball striking number, 3.46 strokes game ball striking in the final round at the American Express, it's a big number. In fact, it's his biggest number. Uh, my computer is very slow when I'm when I'm streaming, but uh, that's his, basically his biggest number. Here we go. Second biggest number in a single ball striking round in the last three years, the only one better, Augusta. Remember when he jumped out to that that round one lead and he was like four shots clear of everybody? And he like, remember that? Yeah, that, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. I've answered a lot of these, so I'm just going to continue to roll on if everyone's comfortable with that. Is there any reason not to feel great about Hideki as a one and done this week? Lagging a little bit behind through three weeks, but feel that this is the best spot for him besides Memorial. Yeah, you can play him at Phoenix as well, but listen, he's scorching right now, right? Hasn't he won two of his last three starts? He's played well at the Farmers before. He's actually kind of not bad on these greens. Like, yeah, no, I'm cool. I'm so cool with that. Like, the, the I talked about this in my season-long one and done video. The basically best strategy that you can have is look at the top five favorites in the field. Take the one that you don't think anybody's going to take. That could be DJ this week. It could be Hideki this week. Either one seemingly the way to go. Any weather advantage to consider for course stacking with the court North course playing easier. Yeah. So I am um, probably more skeptical than most. They have tried hard to narrow the gap between the North course and the South course. You know, the redesign a couple of years ago um, has resulted in a couple of closer years in terms of scoring averages. The other thing is they now have the undertow. That's a three-hole stretch on the North that can cause havoc. It's supposed to play pretty difficult. So I, I'm not, I'm very interested to see how it plays out this week. And, you know, it could be a weather draw or whatever, but I'm not, as excited to do course stacking. I guess you could, obviously, because anytime you have a, a course rotation, somebody's going to be on the right side of it, but I'm I'm not as excited, Mike. Hey, Rick. Hey, Josh. I watched your cascading video, and I'm wondering who would be better for my core lineup? Oh, boy. Would you recommend Day or Davis? All right, we already talked about Davis. Let's do a Jason Day thing because he's won here twice. I think he's kind of hard to predict because he doesn't play as much anymore. He told us he, he told us, <clears throat> excuse me, that he wouldn't. So let's do a little bit of a uh, deeper dive on Jason Day at the moment. Give me one second here. Oh, this happened. Le I think I get logged out at the same time every week or something. I got logged out of the site again. How does this happen? How does this happen? It's my own website. I feel I feel like I have it set, like uh, maybe it kicks me out every single week or something. Hold on. I'm getting back to Jason Day right now. Um, peak day was just perfect for, for Tory, right? Um, hit it high. 
bring it in from a, a super high apex and have a great short game, roll everything in. Like it was, it was the absolute uh, perfect combination. So I don't know if that version of Jason Day still exists, but uh, hold on. When I get logged back in here, I'll bring up his stuff. Let me keep rolling. Give me one second. Hey, Rick, look forward to, oh, this is just a comment. Looking forward to see the warm, beautiful scenery of Southern California. Uh, yeah, you are in cold Green Bay, John. I will actually be out there. So if you are uh, wanting to hop in on and see me, wet Friday and Saturday, I'll post where I'm at. and We can have a nice little, uh, nice little meetup. Can we talk about Ricky? Any hope for him? So this is so hard. Um, I, I was so hopeful last week as, as that being one of the better setups for him and having some time to, to kind of get right here. Um, I, I, I think now we have to continue to go back to the wait and see approach, uh, which is a little bit concerning, right? Ricky Fowler is just, he's just not that guy. He's just not that guy right now. So I'm, 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 I'm very worried about it. I think we've got to go back to being late on Ricky and kind of go from there. Any love from Neiman? We did a deeper dive on Neiman a bit earlier. So go back and check on that. There's a certain book that pays out top 10s, 20s, et cetera, in full. At what point is it worth, worth it to accept shorter odds to guarantee a full payout? Yeah, for sure. The dead heat, especially for 10s and 20s, where we usually get multiple guys that are um, that are tied for those positions, uh, it's it, it ends up being worth it a lot, especially the, the, the 10s and the 20s. I really like Lonto this week, says Philly Fingers. Should I be anything I should be worried about? You should be worried that golf is hard and that sometimes he has off weeks and he's kind of volatile in nature because he's reliant on the putter and the approach game. And sometimes those things go sideways and who knows? Um, So I I think that's the only concern about Lonto. Mr. Rungood, seeing that Charlie Hoffman withdrew, that's right. Who would you recommend in the $7,200 pivot range? Okay. Well, how about, oh, could you go to Hudson Swafford? No, probably not the week after he won. How about, oh, you have 7,200. Okay, got it. Because Hoffman was 71. Oh, Patrick Rogers. I mean, Patrick Rogers, uh, only 4.5%. He's going to be maybe a little bit higher owned than that when the Charlie Hoffman ownership pivots. But that, that's the answer, right? He's a great polo putter. He's a great driver of the golf ball. He has two top tens here in the past. That's That's got to be the answer. Are you worried about missing out on the overwhelming amount of plus EV with a sub 8K Billy Ho? Uh, this is a Tokyo Swan bit. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. I I have been Tokyo Swan. I, I know this is uh, your Billy Horschel bit that you do. It's uh, very fun. I enjoy it. Thanks for showing up. Who are your two favorite golfers between 7,000 and 7,500? It's a massive range. Absolutely massive range. So to narrow it down to two. Whew. Um, for this week, which might keep Aaron Wise off of that list, well, no, I guess compared to these other guys, I probably I would say Mito Pereira and Aaron Wise. Honorable mention, Patrick Rogers. Those are scary names to say, but that's where we're at. So this is a question about matchups. Um, this this might burn me here. 
uh, the question is about Burns over Berger. I have to, I have to be against Berger this week. I have to, like in my in my core, I don't feel good about him on, on at Tory Pines. I can be very wrong because he's impressed me and he has um, proven everything that everyone didn't think about him for the last year. But I would take a lot of guys that are similarly priced over Daniel Berger. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he wins. It would make my argument that I've been making for the last year much better. Hmm. Who are the top five course history guys? Okay. I think I can pull that up for you fairly quickly. Give me just uh, one second here. So I'm going to load the field in. I might have to refresh this tool because it logged me out. So give me one second here. Um, but I can tell you off the bat, it's uh, Ram is one. Uh, two is uh, Ryan Palmer. Three is, I think, uh, let me see here, Snedeker. Fourth is Tony Finau. Fifth is Justin Thomas. So those are your best players at Torrey Pines, which also includes the 2021 U.S. Open. Finau or Leishman, it's going to be Finau for me. Any thoughts on going right? Okay, so let's the good conversation. Good conversation to have here, Parker. Um, the argument to be made that if, especially if you played Matthew Wolf, that you have to go right back to him this week. Um, last week, with kind of the volatile nature of the American Express, the ability to have to make a lot of birdies, leaning on the driver, all that stuff, uh, it being a good spot for him makes sense. He's played well in the desert as well. The other place that Wolf should do well at are the places that Bryson does well at, which are thick, rough courses where guys are going to miss fairways. And the idea that he's going to be able to extract his ball from the Kikuya rough much better than everybody else is the biggest strength of his game. So when he, if, if you set everyone to 85% of their ability or 100% of their ability or whatever it is, and you set everyone there, this is a top five course for Matthew Wolf. Um, might be top three, quite frankly, on tour, the one that we see all the time. So I, I just think that if we don't know what we're going to get and there's a chance that he clicks, especially when, you know, now he's longer odds, you got to go back to him. Other than the obvious 6K range, what is the least exposed range? Um, probably the sevens here. So this is, it's kind of a weird little spot. You know, the eight, the, it's a small 8K section with a lot of interesting names. The nines are obviously great. I think this kind of 79 to 73, I'm not super excited about Mitchell. I always have one guy in my lineup who misses the cut. It's frustrating AF. Yeah, welcome to the club, Lincoln. Give me a golfer between 6,700 and 6,800 who makes the cut this week. Oh, lordy, lordy. Very, very specific. Okay, 67 and 68. Let's say Norlander's been okay. Um, if you make me pick one, so that's this range right here. It's Adam Long down to Scott Stallings. It might be Rory Sabatini. This has actually been... Uh, a pretty decent setup for him. The obvious would be Joseph Bramlett. I would probably consider. Boy, it's such a small range. 
Uh, it's probably Bramlett one. Pat and Kazire is probably in the top three. What pair do you prefer? Max Homa and Sam Ryder or Luke List and Keith Mitchell? Probably List and Mitchell, but it's very, very close. Xander and Tringale or Tony and Wolf? Oh, boy. Probably Tony and nah, I mean, listen, the safer the safer play is Xander and Tringale if you want that. The scary high upside first second play is Finau Wolf. Is there a way to play the best optimal lineup on DK where it factors the best lineup based on betting odds to win? Um funny you say that. So, I, okay. My custom model, it basically used to do this and will do this again soon. So you could you could basically uh, load in any value that you wanted, which in theory, you could just load in every golfer's uh, win expectancy. So you take the rods, you convert it to an implied win expectancy, and then you'd simulate it like that. Um, I had to change a couple of things on the custom model, but that that will be back. But yeah, in theory, I used to do that all the time, constantly. One and done, and I'm so clueless. Zalatoris, Burger, or Shoffley, they all have such green and red flags. Give me your thoughts. What are the red flags on Xander? Um, I don't think, I mean, Xander doesn't have red flags. I mean, I, I don't think so. I guess you could say he's missed a bunch of cuts at Torrey Pines before he went back-to-back top 10s. But I think Xander is um, fairly red flag free. I would I would run out. You could save Xander though. I'd probably of those three options, I'd probably run out Zalatoris. But I'd be concerned about it. But I don't think I don't think it's worth spending Xander here. He keeps saying it's going to come to a crashing halt soon, but he keeps winning. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully. Ooh, Jason Duffner. Dan the man. Dan the man asks the lowest salary guy you'd be comfortable rostering in a core cascading uh, in a GPP. It is probably Jason Duffner. Best betting value to win is probably Brooks Kepka. It's like 40 to one. Outrageous. I've answered a lot of these. Biggie Balls, welcome. And as he notes, He's a serious guy, and he has a serious question. If Polo can frustrate players, yes. Don't the bad putters have a lot more experience of being frustrated on the greens? Yeah, brilliant. You just solved it. Yeah, they're already frustrated, so this is normal. But when the good putters get frustrated, that's when they're cooked. Uh, thanks for showing up, Biggie Balls. Appreciate you. I've answered a lot of these, so I'm rolling through. We've got a couple minutes left here. I'm going to try to get some, some really, really good ones here. Ooh, is it giving up too much win equity to go from Rom to McNeely as the second man in? That's probably the line, Dominic. I, I'm maybe a little bit higher on Wh uh, uh, Whaley, geez. McNeely than others. Um, you know, he is a California POA guy, right? That's kind of the whole kind of the whole point and he's been much much better recently i i think that's the line i wouldn't if you went below mcneely you're probably giving up too much win equity but i'm i'm okay with that 
If you're bullish on a younger golfer long-term, should you play them in DFS consistently while they're still at a cheap price point? Yes. You should also bet them. The biggest mistake is that people try to pick and choose and golf is volatile and um, these guys pop and there's a lot we don't know and you have to understand that you don't know a lot. Talked about Justin Rose, so I'm going to skip that one. Skip these, skip these. Uh, so this is a good question from Steve about Rom hitting a similar shot shape as Daniel Berger. Uh, Rom is much more comfortable shaping the ball. Go back and watch. Um, if you're anything like me, you have like the DVR every single PGA Tour event that's been on television for the last decade, um, which is probably not normal. The go back and watch Daniel Berger at the final round, uh, final two rounds of the Tournament of Champions. He cannot, he could not in that moment hit the shot on 18. The shot he knows he has to hit, he couldn't hit it. And Rom can shape it both ways. Rom is also much better in every other facet than Berger. So I, I appreciate your sentiment. I really, really, really do. Um, but I think there's more to it. All right, a couple more here, a couple more here. I've, I'm, I'm way behind, so apologies. But a lot of these I've answered, so I'm going to skip some. Do any good rookies have a good history at Torrey Pines? Wouldn't that then not make them a rookie? I've answered a lot of these. Oh God, you don't want my answer to this. Hey Rick, busy week. What are your NFL picks for Sunday? All right, I'll I'll act like I know who's playing. So the Bengals are playing somebody. The Bengals are in the AFC, so that's got to be against the Chiefs, right? And the NFC's got to be oh, that's the California game. So that's Rams and um, the other one, Niners. All right, so my picks are obviously the Chiefs, right? They're not going to lose, are they? Uh, versus then the Rams. Easy game. PXG, any good brand? You will have people tell you no, but if they're watching right now, I'd be happy to endorse. Get in touch. Oh, this is a pretty good question. Mitchell or Lonto? Uh, I think it's Lonto this week. Keep an eye on Keith Mitchell moving forward. I really like the way his game is shaping. Couple more, couple more, couple more. You should know the game. You're coaching in it, Rick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heard that one before, the old Sean McVay comp. Does this look like Sean McVay to you? My beard's a little – oh, the hair's a little messy. A little scragglier than, uh, than Sean McVay at the moment. Vegas love? Uh, no, Colin. Go back and look at Vegas's numbers on POA. Horrendous. Farmer's results, not great. We'll see if we can find another uh, another spot for him. All right, I think I mentioned most of these or answered most of these. If not, good news, fam. Join my Twitter spaces tonight. Yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I will be on Twitter tweeting. We should load that. Uh, we got to load that drop of, of Victor Hovland saying, I'll just be sitting around all day on Twitter. We got we to gotta load that one in. We also got to load the uh, stay off the weed. So we'll have to load those in at some point. Also, um, 8.15 p.m. Eastern tonight is the Jock Market Power Hour. 
it's going to be a ton of fun and there's going to be a ton of value and you should play. Join Joe Idonia and myself for that. Additionally, again, if you're going to be at Tory this weekend, Friday and Saturday, I'll see you there. Also, sign up for rickrungood.com. Um, just, I guess, be a good person. Pet your dogs. See ya.